ridiculously early. It's 4.46 a.m. Um, and I went to bed, I don't know, probably around midnight. I tried to push after eating a an In-N-Out fries and cheeseburger at like 10.30 at night. Um, I was tired by like nine, nine thirty, guys, and I knew it would impact my sleep, but I ate it anyways, because I was like, you know, I'm actually really hungry, and um, so then when I went to sleep, I was, <clears throat> I wouldn't call it like full indigestion, but my stomach wasn't feeling like at its best or anything. Um my throat's kinda dry right now, sorry. But I've been up a little bit, can't sleep, so I decided let me just record some. Um some topics about maybe gender, sexuality. Um there's a dynamic I've been enjoying lately, and it's, you know, this dynamic with Maddie Weiner. So Maddie Weiner is a comedian and content creator. Uh, they are a trans non-binary somewhat gender questioning um assigned female birth person uh who uses i believe she they pronouns um and i was introduced to Maddie Weiner by listening to the We're Having Gay Sex podcast uh, with Ashley Gavin. So let me talk about about this. So about this person. So I'm going to try to see if I can find her link tree or something. Um, she goes by Maddie T. Wiener. MaddieWiener.com. So, Maddie Wiener has a mailing list. If you go to MaddieWiener.com, um, also on Instagram and a YouTube channel as well as Substack essays. So on YouTube, I've mostly seen the comedy shorts, um, 
But they also mentioned that they have a podcast. And this podcast is, let's see, I'm going to go to it. I'm going to try to find it. I didn't watch a full episode yet. Once I do, I shall report back. But I began watching, you know, a little few seconds of it. Just so that I could keep it in my history. And... Because I can't remember the name of anything to save my life. Um... I'm scrolling right now looking for it. Sorry, I'm not prepared. I'm just... You know, forgive me. It is at a weird hour right now. Um, Monday. Yes, Monday would have been the day. Um, Dude, don't tell me it's not on here. Okay, okay. And so the podcast is called... And how's that working for you? Um, There's an episode that's 37 minutes, 28 seconds. It seems like interview style. I'm sure there's probably some comic riffs in there. Um, Comedic riffs. And... um, the there's this episode called alcoholic dog full episode so that's going to be a pod that i'm going to be checking out um it's kind of on my to-do list and i have not yet checked out this pod um so i will Um, so one thing I kind of wanted to mention, and I'm not, I'm not saying that there's a problematic concern, right? Now, myself as a sensitive person, the dynamic that I see between Maddie Weiner and Ashley Gavin, I would not personally, I would personally for my own self not really gravitate well towards that kind of humor of people kind of being sarcastically laughing at things about me that are kind of maybe on the personal side um but I believe that they do have this understanding that that's okay you know um Maddie Weiner at any time uh, seems to be allowed to be open to express if they're not interested in the, you know, uh, the put downs or the, you know, laughing at and that kind of stuff, um, laughing at their expense and things like that. Um and I don't, I mean, the only thing that I've thought about that I'm not trying to make drama over, but 
you know, I do kind of wonder with power dynamics sometimes because technically, you know, Ashley Gavin is Maddie Weiner's boss. And technically, you know, I've noticed um, you know, that's just kind of how how it is, you know. Um, and so I think that they've likely got good communication. I think that they've likely got, you know, a strong bond between them and that, you know, the whole dynamic that they have that seems more like Ashley Gavin is usually teasing or somewhat playfully bullying Maddie Weiner is a consensual thing. Um, I'm not here to talk about that, but that's it's just something I wonder um, about, but I feel like it's also something that has been talked about often as far as, you know, people bringing up a bunch of stuff about Ashley Gavin's crowd work and, and things like that. But I mean, that's kind of her style and it's just kind of how it is. She's got this roasty kind of style about her. Um, so whenever she's kind of in character, on her pods being humorous, you know, she's usually, you know, roasting people and stuff like that, so, but like I said, like, that's just kind of how she does things, and everyone that she's kind of working with, with pods and things, all of her staff, they all seem to be pretty on board with it but I don't know I mean I'm not this isn't I'm not even here to try to like talk about Ashley Gavin but um I just I just get curious about that power dynamic it's like if someone's a boss and they say okay you can tell me at any time if something I'm doing is bothering you but also you have that power dynamic because you're the boss. So if you're cursing at people or calling people names or roasting people and they're your staff that you've hired, but they're supposed to be able to tell you not to do it um, if they don't want you to, I I don't know. I If I put myself in that position, I personally don't think I would be comfortable being like, hey, you know, like, I'm kind of having a sensitive day today, like, kind of back off kind of thing, you know, um, because sometimes I notice, you know, some, sometimes, you know, on different pods, like, say, for example, on Chosen Family Podcast, um, maybe Mac and Jimmy might be having, like, a, a tough day or, like, something like that, and, you know, 
I'll, I'll still notice that, you know, Ashley Gavin's still doing, like, bits and roasting and things like that. So it's kind of like, I, I don't know. I would hope that all of their communication is open enough that they can be like, hey, yeah, be sarcastic, roast me, you know, um, even when I'm crying, you know, or something like that. So it's kind of like, I don't really know to what extent they talk about this or whatever, but, um, I don't know, I just watch so much of their content that, like, Ashley Gavin introduced me to, not introduced me personally, but has introduced me through herself being so sociable and interactive and interested in collabs. I've I've been introduced to so many different LGBT and ally content creators or people who might not be content creators, but they just go on the pods and uh, do the interviews and um, it's like they do have this safe space to talk, but also it's like a roasty safe space. So I don't really know, because um, I do think talking about topics around sexuality and kind of normalizing and discussing those things as well as gender, I think that's very important to have those spaces. Um, and there aren't that many places on the internet where you see that happening in a way that's just let's casually talk kind of joke around about it you know kind of like you do with your friends sometimes you know when you're with your friends sometimes and like depending on your friend group sometimes you can kind of like laugh at each other or crack jokes at each other and it's like you know it's um acceptable you know uh like sometimes you have these ongoing jokes like I know when I'm with some of my friends like there's kind of these ongoing jokes about uh different people um and I kind of just um you know yeah there there's just these online these ongoing jokes sometimes and um, you know, like, nobody, no one's really trying to, like, hurt each other's feelings, necessarily, it's like, sometimes it's like, okay, it's a joke, it's funny, you know, we're laughing, you know what I mean, um, but I don't know, like, I don't have a lot of friends where that's kind of the dynamic that we have anymore, um, I've had friends like that, where that was the dynamic, Usually it's kind of friends with the more masculine energy or when I hang out with like only guys, then that might happen more often. And also the majority of my friend group is like psychologists and therapists and social workers and uh, a few nurses sprinkled in here and there. And so most people have a lot of sensitivity and compassion and bedside manner and are very kind of... uh um, sensitive, you know, more or less, and so, 
I don't really know if um if that's maybe like the best uh the best of examples um in my life cuz we don't we don't really have like roasty relationships I kind of don't gravitate towards that kind of interaction like when I first meet people if they're like really kind of like teasing and like sarcastic and stuff usually that kind of turns me off cuz I'm like not into it and it's not that I don't have a good sense of humor I just don't have a sense of humor that's like you know at another person's expense like like to me a lot of times that's kind of not as funny um but I mean I don't know I don't know it's kind of like a controversial thing that I play with in my mind that I'm like I understand work power dynamics I understand you know friendship dynamics within a workplace when you have friends that are your boss or friends that are your lead or friends that are your director, you know, and you're going out together on the weekends, hanging out, getting drunk, getting stoned, and then you go into the office. You know, I've had relationships like that with people, not like romantically, but in a professional setting where it's like, okay, we do these things outside of work. We don't bring it into work. We don't talk about it at work. We're not, like, messing with each other's professional reputations and spreading rumors. Like, we can safely party and have fun and do what we do. And, you know, we're not spreading all this information to clients or to other staff or anything like that. Uh, there's kind of, like, a an understanding of, like, privacy about your own lifestyle and stuff. Um, you don't really bring it into work or anything like that. So, um, you know, we kind of have those little situations that come up. But, yeah, the thing that was sticking out to me was with Maddie Wiener, they've got this, um, this kind of realistic you know, part of their personality and lifestyle that they're, you know, a queer person, genderqueer, sexuality queer. I don't know if they if they identify specifically using those terms, but um, for the most part, that's what's going on overall. And then they've got... Um, these like like this virginity so they've never slept with a woman so they consider themselves a gay virgin even though you know they've had boyfriends and slept with cis males um and so, and I don't know if the discussion ever came up about Maddie Wiener's boyfriend's uh, sexualities. Like, are they bi? Are they, um, you know, are they gay? Are they straight? Like, what, uh, 
how do they identify? I don't really know that so much. I assumed cis straight, but I don't really know if they actually said that. I believe cis, or at least uh, assigned male at birth. I've never um, heard Maddie mentioning, um, you know, sex with trans males. I don't really know. Um, But I just found it to be very, um, you know, very interesting conversation. Because when someone is saying, okay, like, I'm a a gay virgin, right? Um, It's like, okay, they're acknowledging that they want to have sex with people of uh, the same gender um, or who were assigned female at birth, but also, um, I don't know, I'm not trying to like pick apart terms, but I was kind of like, well, if you are a trans non-binary person and you're having sex with men, then isn't that gay sex as well but I don't I don't really you know I think what they're getting at is that they haven't slept with women uh and you know that's fine I think I think that is fine you know for people to be gay and virgins or gay and you know asexual or just not sexually active people. Um, I'm not saying, like, everyone who's gay needs to stop having sex with people. I'm just saying it's kind of a conversation that doesn't really happen that I've kind of noticed. Like, usually in gay spaces, it's definitely hypersexualized. Um, so the We're Having Gay Sex podcast, you often hear about people's sex lives you know people come on there but they don't always talk explicitly about like everything they did or like how oh they went down on this person or were dry humping this person or whatever they they're not always talking about sex sometimes it's as simple as oh like you know with some guests it's like it might be a lesbian and they're like oh my girlfriend's out of town so I haven't really had sex with anybody or like I've been having some kind of health issue or some emotional issue and, you know, we haven't been having sex for a long time or I'm single and not having sex. Like, it does come up pretty often that the guests aren't having sex with anybody. Um, But because there's usually at least three people on the pod, there's usually Ashley Gavin, um, the host, and then there's usually... Um, you know, either Maddie Weiner or Brienne Williamson. Um, and then they usually have a guest. And so usually what happens is the guest is the guest becomes pretty um
um, how shall I say this? Um, the guests can kind of talk about whatever they want, but they go kind of round table. They usually kind of start the pod with, you know, just some kind of chit chat. They're joking and just like, you know, talking, you know, kind of like a, a warm up kind of into the episode and they just are talking about whatever they're talking about like it could be anything you know um and they're just riffing off of each other about different types of random topics and stuff and then eventually they start the pod they introduce themselves as far as name gender sexuality some social media handles and then usually they go in the order of ashley gavin talking first about her gay sex story and then the guest talks about their gay sex story and then the the co-host either Brian Williamson or Maddie Weiner or before it was Kate Sisk and before that was Gara Lonning and I think that's the order that they went in like before with with co-hosts and things um and so it's basically a show it's basically a form of online comedy gay sex talk show for the most part but it's very like on the couch in the living room just chit-chatting and it's pretty casual style but there is structure to it but you know not every single episode involves you know people talking about their queer sex lives um in detail with all the sex that they've had or any recent sex or even a sex story um or memory or fantasy or dream or any kind of sexual topic some of them haven't had sex and when they get the floor to talk during their time you know they might not talk about sex they might talk about who knows what else. Um, and so that, I think, is a um, an aspect of queer culture that you just don't see much. Because um, usually people gravitate towards people talking about sex, like people gravitate towards the topics and the content where people are like oh they're talking openly about sex I want to tune in and that's fine you know I mean I do too you know like sometimes I'm like you know I'm not there I don't know of any like asexual channels that I follow that I'm like oh I want to hear about these asexual people's you know experiences like usually I'm not saying that, you know, um, I'm not usually mentioning that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's fine, you know, being, you know, being, you know, asexual is fine, 
Um, I feel like asexuality can, not always, but can have a fluidity to it. Um, Like some people might have very sexual periods of their life. And then, you know, those might decrease. Um, So I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not up to me who's going to label themselves as asexual or not. Um, But everyone has their own sex drive, their own libido or lack thereof. And that's completely fine. You know, Uh, of course, I would always hope that, you know, it's not for like trauma related reasons. But sometimes that's the reality and just the case of how it is. And, you know. Um, I would say, you know, it's probably not best to, like, exclude those people because they're still a part of the community. Um, it's just they're kind of tucked away because people aren't, you know, running to click on content that's not juicy necessarily. Um, but, you know, I find it refreshing, you know. I do find it refreshing when it's, like, you know, like people who are maybe not, overly or hyper I don't want to call it overly sexual maybe hypersexual extra sexual um I don't I I think when I use the word overly sexual it implies that like they should be less sexual um like I would say for myself when I was growing up you know I was usually a pretty sexual kid and teen and adult you know but I've talked about it before you know I was kind of raised in a in a religion and traditional culture like ethnically religiously socially um and I'm grateful that I was raised in LA because I often wonder what my life would have looked like if I was raised like in some other state that was like really conservative but yeah, I was raised in LA and um I um um you know, it's a very open-minded city and so it's still possible to be cl- in a major city and be closed off like, you know, if you know Hasidic culture, you know, a lot of times, you know, Hasidic Jewish culture they're in the middle of cities especially like New York you know it's like New York is not like a very secluded place um but you know for people to have like a lot of religious um strict um adherence to that religious culture it does take a lot of you know just like you know, sticking to the community, um, and I'm not going to talk about any kind of judgments about religious type of thought right now, but I mean, um, I think most of us who were raised in those types of environments, I don't think that there's, from what I'm, from what I know, I don't know if there's really a an ultra-religious culture 
that doesn't have some kind of sex shaming, sexuality shaming, gender shaming type of uh, ideals I, I or practices. I don't really know. There's not anything mainstream that I've heard of. Usually when it comes to like Islam, Christianity, Judaism, um, for the most part, people are like, oh, don't do all these sexual things. Like there's very strict lines of what you're expected to stay inside of with with sexuality. Um, And those lines become very clear um, at a very young age. Um, one thing I've always noticed with religion is, you know, you can tell what the taboos are and what their concerns are by either how much they do talk about something or how much they don't talk about something. So I would say, you know, I mentioned, you know, I went to church pretty much all my life. I'm not trying to flex on that. It was just part of my culture. I never really thought twice about it. I was like, Saturdays, I go to church. That's what I do. Like, um, I grew up pretty religious and, you know, I remember, you know, there was this kind of lack of conversation about sexuality. Now, whenever there was a conversation about sexuality, I mean... I was taught sex ed in school by teachers who had never had sex before. Teachers who were embarrassed about saying genital terminology. They would be like giggling and laughing and couldn't even like hardly say it. Um, And I don't even know what to say about that, but it was part of their job. And they're teaching, like, fifth and sixth graders sex ed from a health book or whatever, the biology book or science book or whatever the book was. They're teaching these classes. And they know what the book says. um, And they just teach what the book says. It was mostly, like, an anatomy class and just a little bit of, like, practical, like explanation of how people get pregnant and maybe a little bit about you know how babies develop um and how women give birth that's basically it like i mean it was good enough to be like okay like at least people know what to do kind of not really like relationship wise or anything and that's a topic for another day and I would love to dive into that topic but um yeah people don't really know what to do like these teachers didn't some of them did know a lot um and then others didn't and so yeah I I grew up in an environment like that where it was like we didn't talk about sex in school I remember I used to you know joke around about stuff sexual stuff at a certain age like when I was a teenager I got a little 
rowdy and I had some friends where we'd all be like, you know, at lunch, we'd kind of be like using curse words and, you know, talking about like racially, you know, kind of uh, prejudice, like racial prejudice and like I had a you know I had a group of friends that most of us were minorities so you know I'm not saying it was right what we were doing but like because people would ask us to stop you know some of the other students but we kind of didn't listen we're just like whatever because in my head it was mostly one of the pastor's daughters being like you guys like kind of stop talking like that and I felt like it was like oh it's the pastor's daughter so I just didn't really feel like listening to her and no one else was really stepping in telling us to shut up um she didn't say shut up but she was just like you guys like stop you know but we didn't stop we would go on and on and on it was almost every lunch break within earshot of other people and so we would talk crap about you know anything we wanted uh, it was an insecurity for sure, but like we would just, I just remember being with like some friends, mostly guys, and we'd be just like cursing. Like this is at a really religious school, so we'd be just like cursing and talking about, you know, um, I don't know if we were talking about sexual topics, but I remember talking about racial topics and being like, kind of like white people this, white people that kind of thing. Uh, But I think part of that was we did feel discriminated against um, in some ways. Like, we kind of noticed, okay, we're the minorities, and even at school, we got treated differently. Um, I think with the exception of one teacher, all my teachers were Caucasian, Um, and so, you know, I think when there were discussions... Like, I don't remember people ever really having too much discussion about, like, racial differences or, like, cultural differences. Like, it was just completely ignored. Like, you know, so I think those of us who were kind of not very represented in the school kind of felt that kind of there was, like, a tension of, like, okay, there's not a teacher really that looks like us. There's not a lot of people who have, who are like in higher up positions at the school that might have an understanding of what our cultures look like when we go home and people aren't asking questions about it and people just expect that we just blend in and, you know, just, we kind of felt, I feel like we kind of felt ignored. I I did get that sense when I was younger. I wasn't able to like articulate that, but I did notice that, like, you know, there were these attitudes towards, like, hip-hop or rap music where people were, like, you know, I could tell, and especially because it was, like, church and religious, it's, like, back then people weren't, like, gravitating towards hip-hop or rock music. Like, those two types of music were pretty prevalent, and it was, like, this is evil. And so there was kind of that. And so it was, like, almost everything that was culturally like um something that I was allowed to do at home or something that I that I might do was kind of looked down upon 
it was like it could be anything from hip-hop music i remember part of the dress code said that males couldn't wear braids and dreadlocks you know dreads uh locks you couldn't wear locks as a hairstyle but then i remember it specifically saying males couldn't have braids or long hair and i'm like that is also a kind of discriminatory dress code in some ways you know the dress code itself was a little discriminatory you know for someone with gender types of differences like myself you know because Fridays we had to wear you know skirts and or like dress jumper dresses and things like that like for chapel day and I remember one of my friends I've talked about before um she used to tuck her skirt into a pair of uniform shorts and she would wear her shorts, you know, and, you know, it wasn't against the dress code because she didn't take, it was like a jumper dress actually. So it had like a top part to it. It was like a single dress. So you'd wear a shirt under it and it would have like a, um, like a tank top style jumper on top that would go into like this skirt at the bottom and yeah she would tuck her tuck her skirt in because they're like you can't take off your skirt and change clothes so she first tried to change clothes to play sports and then they told her she couldn't do that because it wasn't the uniform and then she I think she tried to wear the uniform clothes after chapel and then they wouldn't let her do that either and so she kept the uniform on and just wore shorts under and tucked the sh- the jumper the bottom part of the jumper into the shorts and so she could play basketball without wearing a dress and um that was allowed so it's like stuff like that where it's like this is stupid you know what i mean but it's like that's the length you would have to go to to stay within the rules and not get in trouble just to play basketball on a regular basis on a Friday, you know, and so there were so many rules, um, and I don't want to take up all this time talking about the religious stuff, but um, yeah, I definitely remember feeling ignored at that school and um, feeling kind of like uh, not represented and you know, even things like, you know, braids, like, you could wear braids as a female, but as a male, you couldn't, you know, there are a lot of cultures where males wear braids, where males wear long hair, you know, if you're a black person, that is not a very uncommon hairstyle to have braids or longer hair as a male, that is not very uncommon, it's not very uncommon to have locks, um, I don't think that those don't look good. I just think that the school, it was one of those things that's like, they have these, these rules that they don't really call them prejudice, but also because it's a religion, they can kind of say what and do what they want. So, you know, I felt things like that. Like there were things like that, like the, the, the clothing style that we had to wear, especially on Fridays or the, you know, you know, like I said, the hairstyles that were weren't allowed that we were like aware of or the, you know, it would be stuff like, you know, the types of music we weren't allowed to listen to, uh, you know, the types of food, like a lot of people weren't, you know, eating food, eating meat. And it's like some of us come from cultures where, you know, 
Like, in African culture, it's not uncommon to have, you know, cultures where people eat meat. Like, I grew up in a meat-eating house. is a cultural thing. And, you know, the religion was, like, so against meat. It was, like, a taboo, especially, like, pork and things like that. But definitely meat was a taboo in its own way. And so, um, you know... You know, I grew up around a lot of, you know, I don't want to call it like a sense of shame, but it's like you weren't being uplifted or given like a sense of pride if you were doing these other types of things. And I noticed like the minority kids, you know, all of us were kind of like, yeah, when I go home, like sometimes my parents don't speak English or sometimes they, you know, we eat these different types of foods that the religion doesn't approve of or we listen to these different types of music that the religion doesn't approve of or we dance and the religion doesn't approve of that and there's all these things that like the religion didn't approve of that we were being told this is wrong this is evil and we were just kids and we're just like dude like how come everything about my life is considered evil you know and it's like it could be anything you know um but it was like i think that was kind of more so what we felt and we kind of felt like okay as minority group as a, as different minorities in a group you know we all kind of felt that you know bond that like we all felt singled out because our households didn't look like all these other households of the people whose culture just happened to fit you know it's like um you know, my Caucasian friends didn't really gravitate towards dancing or music or, you know, didn't have like music in their house where they would be dancing to it. It, it was only like hymns and stuff like that. Like you're not really dancing the hymns or even like the ones who did listen to rock. Their parents were more like accepting of rock music versus like rap, hip hop, that kind of thing. Um, our church didn't play gospel style music. It was like contemporary rock uh, contemporary kind of like acoustic rock kind of style um if you want to call it that um it was kind of more towards that style and like I liked all types of music so I was always like why don't we have any soul up in this place like this place is so like dry you know it just felt so just like stifled and like dry you know (laughs) like it was just like man but I mean okay so enough of the religion background talk but it's definitely a part of my life so it's hard to not bring it up all the time but uh, I'm used to being around people who weren't having sex but it wasn't necessarily that they didn't want to it was more so that they were shamed for doing it Um, And I noticed, you know, once people did have sex, like the friends that I knew that were having sex, um, even if it wasn't regularly, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, um, the ones who were having sex, it was like, I just kind of picked up on it. Uh, Some of my friends kind of talked a little bit about the stuff that they would do, like, usually it was guys doing stuff with females, or, like, you know, maybe, like, 
um, an LGBT friend doing something with someone they were dating and things like that. But, you know, it was like very, there weren't a lot of conversations that were like, okay, we can actually talk about this because we're friends and we can sit and talk about this. Uh, and it's a normal part of life, not to say that people have to have sex, but the people who are having sex, I mean, it's still a normal part of life for people to be doing it. But in that environment, in that school and religious setting, it was not a normal thing. It was expected to be out of the norm. And so I think people who did have sex or do anything, you know, as far as like, you know, making out or touching and things like that, like, they were just very much, like, you kind of knew, like, if your friends were telling you that they're, like, fooling around with somebody in the back seat somewhere, you don't go tell people that, because you know what that kind of thing does to a person's reputation, you know, and I feel like it was just natural exploration and natural, just natural but the religion made it seem unnatural. And so I think, or that, you know, you need to wait until you get married to do pretty much everything, but um, according to them. But that was kind of the environment I was raised around was that version of people being virgins. It was more like, yeah, if it wasn't for the religion... I think a lot of the people I knew would have been having sex a a lot and earlier on. And I noticed that the people who did have sex, especially if they got pregnant and had kids, um, they felt shame. I noticed a lot of people getting baptized after they had a baby if they weren't married. I feel like, I mean, I'm not here to judge you know, and say, like, they did this because they felt that the church didn't accept them anymore. But I feel like possibly, you know, I've always questioned that and felt like possibly they are getting, they're doing that. Um, possibly, you know. Um, so I don't really know. Like, um, but yeah, I was, I would like the reason why I was kind of gravitating towards Maddie T. Wiener's kind of um, talking about, you know, being a gay virgin or never having had like a gay sexual experience is because, you know, I knew a lot of people that, you know, didn't have a lot of sexual experiences or were in some kind of a struggle of like not really wanting to get caught or let down or let down the church or do something that you know they might feel some guilt or shame around um and then you know uh yeah not doing things and then um actually going and starting to you know have have sex with, um, with 
you know, someone that maybe they were in a more committed relationship with or um, thought they might marry or maybe were thinking about getting engaged or were engaged or did get married. Um, But yeah, living in a city like L.A. and having those types of experiences are really weird. It's kind of just like weird because it's like you're around the culture that's very very open-minded but you're within a culture that's very not open-minded so that was a weird way to grow up um for me but I would say um yeah the reason I was kind of thinking about you know the dynamic with Maddie Wiener of not having too much um experience sexually um in the gay world um I don't think that their experience with that is from not wanting to or from experiencing shame from a religion or anything like that. I think that's just a personal life decision that they are not trying to um, speed up, that they're comfortable with things kind of being how they are. They haven't really found someone or been with someone that they want to have sex with, I don't think. And so that's kind of how I've seen that. Um, that's kind of how I've interpreted that situation, but I do find it important and I do find it very interesting because that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, if, if someone's gay and they're a virgin, um, you know, I feel like I don't know if I'm if I'm even saying this right and maybe this is just the sense I get but I feel like in the gay world you you almost get shamed for not being hypersexual or sexual that's kind of the sense I get I could be wrong about that but I feel like people kind of look at you sideways you know um straight people and gay people alike kind of don't understand it too much um and you know I just think you know there are virgins out there and I don't think there's anything wrong with it you know um if people want to be a virgin stay and want to stay a virgin and they're comfortable with their virginity um I don't think that they should have to, you know, feel pressure to change that or feel pressure to start having sex or to start, you know, trying to have more sex or anything like that. I just think um, it's it's okay, you know. I think it's okay for people to have have sex or not have sex at their own time with the consenting adult. Um, 
and or whatever else a person wants to do. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, um, purely people having sex, you know, together. And, you know, people can do other things. Um, I know plenty of asexual people that don't have sex and do other stuff that's, you know, forms of bonding and other types of intimacy that isn't necessarily sex, um, but they find it fulfilling and that's fine, you know, um, or maybe people might not even be asexual and might do things like that and you know that's just kind of where their comfort level is and that's fine too but you know i i wonder like because i've never heard i've never really heard a lot of a lot of queer people talk about you know are they feeling a sense of shame um if they're not sexually just like you know being very sexually open um and I don't think there's anything wrong with with it, you know, with being sexually open-minded, but you know, it's just kind of a concept I don't hear about a lot. And I know that people exist because I know plenty of people who live like that. And so um it's yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of pressure out there for for people who are LGBT to feel like they need to be having sex and they need to be having a lot of sex all the time. You know, I would say like in my um in my straight circles of friends um not all of them. I've had experiences with some people who are kind of curious about you know hey sexually what do you get up to kind of thing like I don't really mind people asking um especially if it's like the topic of conversation if we're talking about dating if we're talking about relationships and those types of things um I don't think there's anything wrong with it but um yeah so I've just been curious about that. Um, I've wondered a little bit about it. Um, how do people... How do people kind of feel? Um, I know how... I know kind of how I feel um, with those types of settings. And... Um, Yeah, I just wonder. It's just something I've been curious about. 